to see what God is doing in so many ways. The last couple Sundays have been amazing. You know, we had a a wonderful time of watching God heal people two Sundays ago. A lot of uh, things happened there. Then we had testimonies last week, a little bit about what God did in people's lives in a undeniable physical healing way, um, which changes you. um, One of the uh, words I think that um, Adam, Pastor Adam used was marked. It marks you see God intervene in the natural and do something. And so we had that last time and um, and today we're going to be more on how you fit into God's plan here at Freedom. And is local church really that important or is it optional? What was God's thought there? What does a local church look like and what does a local church do? We all have experience in them, but from a biblical perspective, what is God's heart? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for all this great stuff that you have been doing this month. Lord, we as a church are so grateful for the intervention of your Holy Spirit. We as a church are so grateful that you brought us together to share life together, to affect our community and affect our world. God, what a blessing we have of being called your family, your kids, your army, your building, your bride. We thank you. God, I just ask that... um, In these few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would direct our thinking. Holy Spirit, that you would open us up to things either we haven't considered or we've set aside that need to be considered freshly. And so we yield our hearts to you. We yield our attention to you. We give you our focus, O mighty one. And we ask that, Lord, you would uh, even intervene right now in our thinking. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, 30 years uh, um, of being a church has been incredible. We have seen God do so much. This church is a very mission-minded church. So we have been a part of missions um, in many, many ways for 30 years all over the planet. And God has saved people and healed people and brought churches to life. And we planted churches. Um, And so it's been such an honor to be used by him for 30 years and to see the difference it's made in people's lives and in their families and what he's again, like I said, all over the planet. And it's, it's exciting. And so um, we're going to go through some pretty cool scriptures today about God's view of this thing called um, a church, which was, of course, his invention. And um, we're going we're gonna to see what God wants to say about that. But first, before um, I get going, I, I was praying about this, um, this service, the things I believe that God wanted to say to you. I was praying on Saturday morning and just asking God if there's any other insights he wanted to, to give, and, and, and he did. And so in my journal, I was having this interaction with, me, with him, and sometimes we talk back and forth, and sometimes I, I talk, um, and sometimes he just talks. Well, this was a he just um, gave these impressions to my heart. And I just want to share with you, they, they were for me, but they're really for you too, as we're um, going to unfold this thing called his church. You have been walking through your days expecting one 
to be just like the next. You live as if you can predict your upcoming moments. And yet, you cannot. But I can. I know because I live outside of time. I see the time, your time in your mother's womb, your days in seventh grade, the day you got married, the day your children got married, and your days ahead. I know what's ahead because I am God and you are not. So, shouldn't you want to spend time talking with me more? If I know your days, your todays and tomorrows, wouldn't a person who wants to walk successfully want to hear what I have to say? I am currently writing your book of life. Would you like to know what is ahead? Then make time. Are you trying to tell me something, Lord? <laughs> we're, we're, we, uh, we have this new light computer, and so we're, uh, we're experimenting today. So I hope you like it. <laughs> Okay, you want me to continue now, Lord? Okay. Then make time to be with me in prayer and asking me questions and being alert to hear and see my responses. Be alert to the direction I give, the strategies that I unfold for you. Why would I create you and not have a well-designed and perfect plan for you? And by the way, your life isn't about you. It's always been about me and my purposes. But you have looked around and labeled important what others label important. What you should do is to look up at me. Listen for what I tell you is important. Do that what you hear from me and you will discover purpose. You will get to know me more. You will find freedom from the habits and situations that seem to lock you up. Then you will find the fulfillment of your life by making a difference. Did you notice I made a lot of people around you? Do you think my plan was solely about you living independently? Or perhaps integrated with others? When I sent my son Jesus into the world, I sent him to offer my salvation to all people, not just you. I designed my people to gather together. I call this gathering, this family of believers, my church. The church of my people was my design, given to my son as his bride. Living, expanding my kingdom, and worshiping together is my plan. Serving others together is my process. Walking as one was my idea. And yet, so many think I made this church optional. I did not. Although I made you individually responsible, I made you collectively effective in serving my purposes. I am God. Embrace my pattern, not just me. 
engage in my ways. I invented life. I invented your life. So pause. Consider my truth. Seek me every day. Listen for my voice. Follow what you hear from me. Enjoy. Be fruitful. And be fulfilled. So yesterday, that was my interaction with him. That's what I sometimes take, I call it take dictation. When I feel like I'm hearing something from the Lord, I'm going to honor it enough to write it down, right? I mean, as, as some of you have heard my testimonies of being in journalism and newspapering. And I've been in interviews with Reagan and Ford, two presidents of the United States. Would I not, this is before the days of video cameras, but would I not take my notepad and write down what they are saying? Why wouldn't I do that for God Almighty, creator of the universe? And so that's why I try and write down and seek him and see what he's saying. But he's speaking to the church. He's speaking not just to me. He is speaking to us as a church. And so in the first century New Testament church, we get a picture of what life was supposed to look like when believers came together in a gathering he calls the church. And so let's just take a look at what life looked like there. Turn to Acts chapter 2. And we're just going to look at a brief little section of 42 through 47, verses 42 through 47, and just look at them one at a time. This is talking about the believers uh, coming together and what happened in that coming together. Verse 42, they, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. These are key things that are supposed to happen in a local church. That there's a time of teaching and training. I really like the word training too. Teaching means you sit here and listen to me. Training means let's. It, there's a practical outworking of this. They were devoted. And so God sometimes asks me, son, are you devoted to me or are you casual with me? And so I just want to tell you, yes, it's fun to be in the church and we have a blast together and the youth are going to have an amazing time. And that's really neat. But we also need to be devoted to him and devoted to what he has to say. And then we're to fellowship. We're not to be um, just these independent people. And I think in the United States, especially because I've traveled a lot of the world, we are all about us. What's in it for me? What works for me? Do I like the job for me? Do I like the people in the church or not? It's about me. And I think God just sits there and said, you've missed the point. And so fellowship is a very important thing where we get into one another's life, where we help one another and care for one another. We'll get to that in a couple verses. But it is fellowship. It is around one another and enjoy one another. And to the breaking of bread, and sometimes we just relegate that comment to we eat together. And that's cool because we like to eat together. But it's also, the breaking of bread is, is also referencing communion. Where we stop and we remember Jesus all throughout our life together as a church. We bread together. And prayer. 
God from the beginning of time, from Adam, he wanted a relationship with his people that was a two-way communication. That what I read you, that I heard in my heart from the Lord, is, 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 is Norm wants to be. Our prayer is not a, for those of you that are old enough to know this, Johnny Carson, but it could be Jay Leno or whoever the latest late talk, late night show person is. It's not meant to be a monologue. I just don't go to God with my petitions and God hears my laundry list as if he's some heavenly Santa Claus. But he wants to talk with us. So he wants to talk with us in prayer. Verse 43. Everyone in this church was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And even as we shared about the gifts of the Spirit and healing a couple weeks ago, and we saw God do some amazing signs and wonders and healing here, that is to be God's norm in a local church. That's, that's his norm. He, he does these signs. A sign points somewhere. Turn right up here. Detour over here. Slow down. There's children playing here. Signs are to tell us something. And the signs that are in the local church are to say, we serve a God of might and care and love. And it's to show that. And that is God's design for a church filled with awe and many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. Verse before all the believers were together and had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need oh pat are you saying that they were socialist no not saying that at all i'm saying they were caring they did whatever it took to take care of one another and I believe in the United States and actually in the world, we are going to be entering a time that we may have already started where times can get rough. And in those rough times, we as a church need to be caring for one another. You mean financially? I mean whatever way it is. People get depressed. Are you there for them? Do you encourage them? People have needs that maybe you can help them with. Maybe it's an emotional Maybe it's a practical need. You can do something with what God has put in you. He wired you peculiarly. Did I say that right? In a peculiar fashion to help one another. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They're, they're, this was not a uh, event Christianity. I believe God is trying to shine a spotlight on event Christianity. What is event Christianity? It is going to youth conference and that's all that it's about, youth conference. No, it's an initiation point of what God wants to do, new and different. Oh, it's about coming to church on, on Sunday at 10 a.m. and praising and worshiping and seeing what one of the pastors is going to share about. It includes that. But that's not all it is. It's so much more than that. So it's a lifestyle with him and with each other. And not just event oriented. Every day they continued to meet. It was a daily thing. They broke bed. They got in each other's home. If church is only about coming to this building, 
then we've missed the point. It's, you don't go to church, you are the church. Okay, verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. There is an element that happens when we praise God. There is something that unlocks inside of us and inside of a church with gratitude. When we stop and we are thankful, regardless of what you're going through, with the intervention and the kindness and the goodness and the love and the power of God, and we show gratefulness, then there's an unlocking that happens. So this element of worship that we spent some time doing, and yes, one of the ways is singing or raising hands or bowing or clapping or whatever we're doing to express gratitude, that's part of it. That's part of it. And so that is a picture of, a partial picture at least, of a healthy church. Of a healthy church that is trying to grow in the purposes of God. For, um, for about eight years, I think, we had another church that used our building a little bit. Um, Paul, Pastor Paul Diaz. We had a Spanish church, basically a Guatemalan church, that met here. And, um, and I every now and then get a chance to talk to Pastor Diaz, but he texted me this morning at 7, and he said, um, I was praying, and the Lord brought you your church to mine, and, um, and, and I had a, a little picture, and I, just, I don't know what it means, but I just thought I'd tell you, I saw a lighthouse, and, I, and it was for you. And, you know, many people don't know that I like lighthouses. I like climbing lighthouses. I'm into lighthouses. I, I collect figurines of them. I've climbed probably 20 or 30 of them around the world. There's 21,600 lighthouses in the world. So I've got a long way to go. Um, there, you know, there, there's a bunch of them in the United States, like 700. Lining the, uh, the, the long line of Florida, there are exactly 30. There are lighthouses. Now, what do we think of a lighthouse? We always see the lighthouse that's on the rock. What is it doing? It's warning you to stay away from the rock, right? We don't have rocks in Florida. So why do you have 30 lighthouses in Florida? Have you ever noticed that each of the lighthouses have a distinct uh, maybe a shape. May, uh, they all don't look the same. They have a distinct pattern of how they're painted. They're, they are distinct. So why are they there? So you can discover where you're at. Sometimes it's to warn you, watch out for the rocks. But sometimes it's so you can discover where you are or where you're not. So what did that mean to me as, I, as he said that today? I believe that Freedom Fellowship today is supposed to be a lighthouse that helps you understand where you are and where you aren't with God. This is an audit time. Time for you to see where am I with God and freedom and where am I not. And that's not for any critical 
part on mine or, or the elders of the church. It's just for you to do a personal audit. Where am I with God? That's what that lighthouse in Florida does, at least. There are no rocks. There's, there's uh, shallowness, yeah, so I guess that could be something there. But where are you and where aren't you with God? So I just wanted to throw that in since it just happened. Um, but I want to tell you what we're going to be talking about in reference to the church, because that's our focus today. The church has an upward relationship with God. That's you. It has an inward relationship with the members of the body of Christ. We grow, we disciple, we train, we, we do life together. We care for one another. And it has an outward relationship to the world. If you were saved just for heaven, wouldn't you think God would just pop you out of here after you got saved and you got a connection with God? That makes logical sense to me. But he didn't do that. He's leaving you here for a season. What for? To be a part of expanding his kingdom and his word around the world and here. And so there is an outward relationship. And you don't have to be, um, you don't have to wait till you're perfect on one thing to be used on another. It's true. Um, praise the Lord. <laughs> Because I, I certainly am not. But he does have a sequence that is biblical. And we're going to talk about it. The sequence is that I am, there is an upward focus. That's a good sequence because anything I have that's worthwhile comes from him. So I need that upward, you know, that upward thing going. Praising him, honoring him, learning from him. And then there's that interaction with others. So I've got to work out what he's working into me. I need to work that out with other people. And then there's the, the outward expression, the going out into the world. And so that's all a part of it. That's evangelism, that's sharing your faith. But the first point of our church at Freedom is to help you, to facilitate you to worship God in an upward focus. Worship God in an upward focus. That's a real desire of ours to help you connect with Almighty God. I mean, if you could, I, as I've said so many times, I think God wants it to be simpler, this thing called life, and we make it so complex. Here's it simple. You ready? Hear from me. Do what you hear. <laughs> there it is. There it is. And so I need to spend some focus on trying to hear from him and worship him and get to know him and his ways and how he does things. And worshiping him in an upward focus. That should be our normal pattern is that we focus up, we worship him, we hear from him, we're changed by his Holy Spirit and then we are empowered and ready to be inserted into whatever God has next. Worship is more than just singing about him, but it includes it. I don't know what you do to, in your getting with God. With me, I, I love worship music. Sometimes, a lot of times, I love it without words. So I find on my phone some instrumental worship music where I can just 
be talking to him or praising him, but I make sure I don't know the song so my mind isn't thinking in that direction. And, and I'm, I'm hearing from him and I'm loving on him, spending time with him. You know, how do you spend time if you have somebody special in your life? I mean, how do you get to know them and show your love to them? You spend some time with them. And so, God wants us to see how things happen in the spirit realm by kind of showing us in the natural realm how things work. And so, I would say that yes, there's a private aspect of worship that he wants you to grow in your worship of him. You know, but there's also a corporate aspect as we just read in Acts 2 where the people got together and they worshiped the Lord daily. Our church's second call in that connection with God's uh, local, uh, his church, the local family of God that we read about in Acts 2 is we engage inwardly in a church. We engage inwardly and we grow together and we're used collectively. We're, it's not about me. I don't have any problem with people doing things on their own with the Lord. I think that's cool. Go for it. But there's a collective thing that he wants to do in and through his church. And at the same time, that church that... Um, you know, that we're growing in. Uh, sometimes we, we, again, wait, I can't share my faith. I don't know enough about it. What if, what if somebody asked me a tough question? I can't answer their, them. I don't know enough of the scripture. That's really not your, I mean, that, that's something you can grow in, but it's not something that should be limited limiting to you because his Holy Spirit will give you the words you need in the moment and there is a, a um, I guess a personal integrity that you got to be doing something in here before you just do it out there but I don't want that to be limiting I'm just trying to say yeah we need to be people of integrity and so who makes disciples the church I really don't think so I think disciples make disciples. I think if you look at the way God made the world, contrary to what the woke agenda says, um, one, one type of thing produces the same thing. An, oak, an acorn produces an oak tree. A dog produces a dog. And a person produces a person. And disciples produce disciples. You know, being a, a journalism major in uh, college um, and uh, loving to write and read, um, the, the way a basic sentence is, is there's a subject, a verb, and an object. Like, Bill painted the room. A subject, what happened, the verb, and then what, what happened, the, the actual accomplishment, the object. So, I want to suggest to you that disciples disciple disciples. And you might say, well, Pastor Pat, I'm, 
I don't know all that you know about the Bible. I didn't get here overnight, and I I started... but, But I guess what I wanted to say is, you may not be aware of this, but you are discipling people right now. People, you're discipling people every day by what you say and do. And by what you don't say and don't do. People look at your life. People are getting their, this is okay to do because they know you and you're a good person, so it must be okay to do what they're doing and say what they're saying. Don't say what they don't say and don't do what they don't do. That's called discipling. And so God is asking us to be disciple makers, to be disciples and disciple makers. And people watch us. They watch you. It's not just me that they watch. They watch you. They watch what you say. They watch, they listen to what you don't say. They, they feel, they get a feeling of what's important because if they think you're a pretty cool person, then they'll want to say what you say and do what you do. Don't say what you don't say and don't do what you do. Now, many times on this thing of being outward, of going outward in, in your belief system, sometimes we, um, uh, we have substituted kindness for sharing our faith. Now the two do go together. That's really neat. But if you're the nicest person in Orlando, Florida, but you never share the message of Jesus, then we've missed the mark. If we are nice and we do kind things, then that's an evidence of our Christianity. But they're not the same. And I think a lot of times today we've gotten okay as long as I'm kind and nice and helpful and serve people. And that's all good. That's part of it. But it stops short if we don't share the message of the gospel. One of our uh, overseers of the church um, is Pastor Keith Tusi. And uh, he once said, Discipleship without evangelism is not discipleship. It's just a personal growth strategy. Meaning, there are elements of discipleship that make you a better person. Good! That's great, and it should happen that way. It helps us know what, what is works in a society and what doesn't. Because whether we, whether we think it or not, there are a lot of Judeo-Christian values that were helpful in the foundational forming of the United States. And so, good. I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're becoming better people. Personal growth. But that wasn't what Jesus wanted. It, that stopped short of what Jesus has asked us to do. He's asked us to share what will get a person into reconnection with God Almighty. And that means we have to have a message to share. This whole premise of discipleship is built around reproduction. If we're not reproducing the 
Christ and others, then we've missed the point of being a disciple. We've just made it a personal growth strategy. And so, I guess I would ask you, are you sharing the hope that is inside you? Are you sharing your faith? If you're not, I'm not going to condemn you, and that's not the purpose of today. It's to encourage you and provo provoke you to say, okay, maybe I'm just being a kind person, but I'm not helping somebody get connected to God in a meaningful way, which is the gospel. Maybe I need to learn a little bit more on doing that. And so, upward, inward, and outward are part of our calling at freedom. And then the Apostle Paul, he tells us something radical, our, our last scripture of the day, in Ephesians 2, 18-22. And the book of Ephesians is really cool because it basically tells you what the church is supposed to look like, how it's empowered, how... Um, uh, you can have confidence in the Lord and his, and his desire to protect and be with you and help you in spiritual encounters that are hard, not just the practical uh, encounters. And so anyway, we'll look at Ephesians 2, 18 through 22. Verse 18, if you're looking for a good verse to say, this is the verse of the day for me, this would be it. For through him we both, both meaning Jews and Gentiles, two radically different people, uh, coming together in the same church, and that was kind of awkward, so he's addressing this. So he says, For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Have you thought through what it means to have access to God the Father? Have you ever had access to somebody that could help you get ahead in life? That's that person that was either good as a business mentor, good as a educational mentor, uh, or good as a, an athlete and you wanted to grow in that realm, or good as a mom raising kids or homeschooling. I mean, to have access to that person that's really, really good at that. We have access to God the Father. This is mind-blowing. I mean, I'm just a flesh and blood person who this body will die at some point. So this body's going to kind of go away. I will live forever, one place or the other, God's heaven or God's hell. It'll be God's heaven. But anyway, we, we are eternal beings but have you thought about what it means to have access to God the Father? That is overwhelming. Verse 19. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. I'll stop there for a second. You're, you're not an outsider, Pat. You know, we have the privilege of serving a lot of Spanish-speaking people at the food pantry, and a, a, a lot of those are Venezuelan. They may feel like an outsider when they first get to the United States. But as it relates to this church, we want them to feel part of us. 
And so God wants you to be part of his family. You're not a foreigner. You're not an outsider. You're not a stranger. You're known to him. You're known to this church. Then he calls us fellow citizens with God's people. When you are a citizen of a nation, you have certain rights, responsibilities, and privileges. It means something when you're a citizen. And when I got moved from the, the citizenship of the kingdom of darkness, and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I became a citizen of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, something changed. I now have the, the blessing, the authority, the protection, the access that makes me different than when I was not part of God's kingdom. So he says that I'm a fellow citizen. And I'm a mem then he takes it a little more personal. A member of his household. You are not just a citizen I've invited you to be adopted into my household. This is amazing stuff. And that's what he's saying about the church. He's saying that as a church member, you have access to the Father. As a church member, you're no longer a stranger, an outsider. In fact, he says that you're a citizen of a brand new kingdom, the kingdom of God. He says that you're part of his household. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. That's our anchor, that's our surety. In him, the whole building, the whole church, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together. So in other words, you may have been an individual when you came in here, but we're actually going to incorporate you in being built together. So as part of freedom, we want to be built together. As part of freedom, we want to be useful collectively to him. Built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You're being purposely and strategically built. Welded, Jeremy. Welded. Wired into the kingdom of God, into the church of the living God, into the family of God, into the body of Christ. Jeremy's a welder. That's why I had to throw that out there. When you weld something, it's, it's together if it's a good weld. That allows us to grow toward him. That allows us to grow together. And that allows us to have an impact out these doors. God created this plan for a church before the first person was put on earth. God has perfect foreknowledge. He knows what's coming down the pike. He lives outside of time. I said earlier as I tried to capture his heart, Pat, I saw you in your mom's womb. I mean, do, do you know that at, at conception, the DNA of the man and the DNA of the woman come together in the moment of conception, and at that moment, 
We know if you're right-handed or left-handed. We know if you're blue-eyed or brown-eyed. We know the, the attributes of the person. We know all that is contained in that DNA at the moment of conception. He knew me in my mother's womb. He knew me in seventh and ninth grade. He knew me. He sees all, all my life as in one thing because he lives outside of time. And so... He has called us together as a church. It's not a mistake that you're here. It's not a part, it's not an accident that you're part of coming here and being a part of freedom. And so we have the honor and the responsibility of working together to bless his heart as a church. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for those that you have uh, invited to be here. I thank you for your kindness and your grace and your mercy. I thank you that you have welded and wired us together into a body. I thank you, Father, for now and the days to come that you want us to be able to work together collectively to accomplish your purposes while we're on this round ball planet. Father, I thank you that... Um, call this your family. You call us family. You adopted us. We, we, we weren't part of your family, and now we are. I thank you for your great salvation, your great empowerment, your great baptism in the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, for your goodness. I thank you that you want to involve us in what you're doing. That, that, that's a mind blower, oh God. Thank you. I thank you you don't want us to be limited to our, by our own experience or the collective knowledge of what's happened so far in humankind. I thank you you want us to tap into you and be available to you to accomplish supernatural things because that's who you are. I thank you that you want to move us past our own limitations and move us toward what you want done. We're honored that you would want to do that. And so, God, we give you our focus, we give you our attention, we give you our heart. And we yield to you, Almighty One. Father, I pray if there's anybody here that has listened to these words and say, I'm not sure I'm that connected to God. I pray, Father, that this is the day of connectivity. I pray, Father, that even though I haven't heard from Pastor Paul in nine months, you had him text me this morning about a lighthouse. And I ask, oh God, that there are people that are in this room that you want to have them know where they are with you and where they aren't. And so, kind Father, I ask that you would expose that to their mind I ask, Lord, that you would give them courage to do something about that and come and talk to us. I pray, Father, for new beginnings. I ask for your blessing, O God, on all the people of Freedom Fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Is that helpful? Amen. Good, Stan. I'm glad it was helpful.
You know, um, God's Word is just loaded with some cool stuff. And I just want to tell you that um, one of the things we're doing at this point in the service is we're going to introduce some new members. 